I'm excited about this message. Um, it comes from Matthew chapter 16, if you want to follow along, and it's called We Are. We Are. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some said John the Baptist, and others Elijah, Still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, Father, we thank you for this word, God. We pray that this word will just be embedded in the depths of our spirits today, God. So much so that it begins to produce fruit in our daily lives, Father, that we walk different, talk different, act different, live different, because we get revelation of this word today, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you touch every ear to hear, that you touch me to speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. I want you to get something about this little passage of Scripture. This is a very important passage of Scripture because it's setting up. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, and he does this throughout the New Testament. He's, he knows that he's going to die on the cross, he's going to be raised from the dead, and he's going to be on earth for just a, a little while, 40 days or so, and then he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father, and the church age is going to begin the age we are living in now, and that's important. He's setting them up. I want you to notice two things about this little passage of Scripture. He's asked them first, who do you say that I am? He wants to know their opinion of who he is, and that is extremely important. We're going to talk about that today. But second, he says, because of your response to that very question, let me tell you who you are. And he then proceeds to say to Simon, it says, uh, you are the son of God and uh, the, the Christ. And he says, blessed are you, Simon. My father revealed this to you. And then he says, I say to you, I want you to hear that. You are Peter and upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. These are things that Jesus says about the people who've made the statement that Peter has made. We are living in the church age today. This is important for you to know. We are living at a time where the church is being used by God. Now, in the beginning, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, asked for a sign. When Jesus said, well, who do people say that I am? You know, the Pharisees had been asking Jesus, prove that you are who you say you are. You're walking around like you are the Messiah. You've even said you're the I am and, and if you really are who you say you are, show us some sort of miracle, some sort of sign, some sort of proof. 
And it's important that we know that because the world is always looking for some sort of proof. Do you know that there's a lot of atheists today that when they're asked uh, the question, if you could be proven, if it could be proven to you that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did rise from the dead, if that could be proven, would you become a Christian? Most of them say no. Even if they were proven that the Bible is true, they say no. And you know why that is? It's not because they want the truth. It's because they want to live however they want to live without being, you know, they want to be the God of their own life. So the Pharisees, like the world, are constantly want some kind of proof so they can disprove God. Who are you? This is an important question. What does Jesus say about you? And why does he say it about you? I want you to think about this. What people say about you can come from lots of things. It can come from how you look. Like if you've never, if someone knocks on your door and you look through the peephole, you make a judgment by the way they look about whether you open the door or not. Is it a salesman? Is it someone, a neighbor? Is it, you're trying to just make a snap judgment even just by how they look from the outside. And then we judge people like we get to know them and we kind of know their history and their personality. And we, we have all of these ideas that we put them into this category in our life based upon how we know them and our experiences with them and what they look like and their track record. But I want you to realize here, who you are is based on one answer to one question and Jesus asked it. Who do you say that I am? That is the most important question. In fact, that is the question of all creation. Of all creation, there is no greater question than who do you say Jesus is? It matters for your life today. It matters for your life in eternity. Who do you say that Jesus is? He poses this question to his disciples. He doesn't say, Peter, well, let me classify you because you've got a pass. And John, let me put you over here because you're too quiet. And, 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 and Mark, you've, had, you've got a, a record that with the law, and so let me put you over here. He doesn't do any of that. He just wants to know. I don't care how many times you've messed up today. I don't care what your record looks like. I want to ask you one question, and that's who do you say that I am? And when they answer him in a certain way, he says, well, because you answered that way, let me tell you who you are. You need to get this today because sometimes we value ourselves. We categorize our own lives based upon how good we're doing, whether we succeed or not, whether we failed, whether we've sinned today, whether we've uh, uh, had a good track record, whether we got hope. We can have all of these things screaming in our ears telling us who we are. But the only thing that really matters at the end of the day is what do you say about Jesus who is Jesus to you you see Jesus asked this question and Peter leads the way he says you're the Christ the son of the living God I like people who just say it like it is huh some people say he's a teacher some people say he's a prophet some people say he's a good person to to read about and learn about he set a good example for us now peter said no 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 all that can be true but that ain't what really matters what matters is he is the christ the messiah the anointed one the one who came to save us he is the very son of the living god period and because peter makes his first public confession jesus says my father revealed that to you. And so now let me tell you who you are because you said that. Do you get that? There is a group of people who look different, speak different languages, have different values and, 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 and culture. 
People who are different ages and don't always agree on the doctrines of the Bible. But we have one thing in common is that we all agree that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. And it's not just us today. They're all over the world. They're in China and the Philippines and in Africa and, and wherever Greenland, wherever you can think of. There are God's people there who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to them. My goal today is to help you realize that because of who you say Jesus is, this is who Jesus says we are. You are this. Now, we got to understand why he says that about us. More importantly, we got to understand what he says about us. We are the people who've confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. You don't get to heaven without that revelation and without that confession. You have to believe it by faith in your heart that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to save us from our sin. He is the very Son of the living God. No one gets to heaven because they went to church. No one gets to heaven uh, uh, because they did more good deeds than bad deeds. Come on. No one gets to heaven because they knew all the words to all the songs or they read the Bible every day. You get to heaven because the Holy Spirit revealed that Jesus is the Savior and you received that by faith. You accepted that by faith. Oh, that's why Jesus didn't ask, well, how many scriptures did you read today, Peter? Or how much Bible do you know? Or did you pray a lot today? Or have you been good today? Or did you commit a sin today? He asked him one question, who do you say I am? <laughs> who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Hallelujah. There is a group of people called the church who have one thing in common. We believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. Now, let me tell you why that matters. Because when Jesus walked the earth, he was the physical vessel through which God ministered to the world. Now, that matters because there are scriptures that tell us. In fact, Jesus said in John 3 that unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. People who aren't born again are dead to spiritual things. They can't receive God unless it is, it is first put to them through some sort of fleshly means. That's why we preach the word, because even people who are spiritually dead can hear me speaking and sharing this word. They can see you doing good deeds in your job. They can see you praying. They can see you living out Christ in your life. And those things, when they look at them, they see them with their eyes and it goes into their minds and the Holy Spirit then convicts them in their hearts. That's why he says the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Father, revealed this to you. It didn't come by intellectual means. That might have started it, but it came because the Holy Spirit convicted you. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, his physical body was the vessel that the Holy Spirit was moving through to do things in the world. Now, you see, sometimes he sent the disciples out two by two and they did things, but it was all centered around Jesus Christ, right? And, and where he went, the people followed him. And, you know, the, the reason there was 5,000 men and their families out there and, and he fed all of them was because the, the Holy Spirit was in the physical body of Jesus and people had to go where he was. But you know what? Things changed. Jesus was preparing the people who make that one confession about him. He was preparing us for a time when he would go away and we would become the body of Christ. What that means is now you and I are the vessel that God lives in and moves through to minister to the world today. 
Come on. Now, I, I believe in being humble, but I also believe in being honest. And we ought to say to ourselves sometimes, I'm pretty special because God lives in me. And I am the vessel through which God ministers to my world. You got to own that. You got to know that. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because you earned it. It's because you made a confession one time that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. That's what qualifies you today. There is the universal church, like I mentioned earlier, that is all over the world today. But there is also the local church, our church, Austin Alive Church. It's important that we come together. It's important that we have a group of people that we're committed to, that we're accountable to, that we work with and share with, that we love and we help and we encourage, that we forgive and we walk through our issues together and we grow in Christ and worship together. I love Austin Alive Church. Amen. I love you people more than you love me. That's the way I tell my wife. I love you more than you love me. And of course, she argues with me, but she's wrong. She's more lovable than me, so it has to be that way, right? She's better looking than me, and it just has to be that way. I love the local church. And here at Austin Live Church, we want to help you as individuals grow. Understand that you are the vessel that the Holy Spirit is going to move through in your world to do his work and minister to the people there. Now, you will have different gifts. You may not preach from a stage, but you're going to do what God has given you talent and ambition and opportunity to do to share and minister to the people around you. And if you don't think you're qualified, let me go back to the beginning of this again. You know what qualifies you for that? That at one time you made a confession that you are the Christ Jesus, you are the son of the living God. That's what qualifies you. Amen. Hallelujah. And not only as individuals, though, but we as a group together are a vessel through which God ministers to our world. There are some things and some ways that we're going to minister to our community that are going to be beyond one person. It's going to be us as a group sharing and working together, putting our talents together to make us more effective for the kingdom of God. Because I can't do what you do and you can't do what I do. But if we all get together, amen, and we put our talents and our gifts together and we don't value one more than the other. I'm not more important than you in the kingdom of God. If you think that, you need to get that out of your head. You are as valuable as anyone. It's like Paul said, you know, how can the, the hand say to the eye, I don't need you? Or how can the foot say to the armpit, I don't need you? <laughs> Anybody feel like you're an armpit in the body of Christ? Anybody? <laughs> Maybe the big toe that's always, you know, getting stumped or something. Every one of us serve a purpose in the kingdom and we bring something to the table and part of our growth in Christ is that we value who we are and we know what we bring to the table. The person that vacuums the floor is as important as the people who sing the worship songs on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The people who pray every day for their pastor, pray for their church, pray for their fellow congregational members. You are as important as anybody else in the kingdom of God. And when we all come together, we are effective because we have made that confession and the Holy Spirit is in us and he's moving through us to minister to our world. I had no idea that God would put us here in this community when we left where we were before. But I trusted that God was going to do what he wanted to do. And we're here for whatever reason. And I believe today with all of my heart, our church has a bright future. Amen. God is going to do wonderful things through our church. Oh, I'm thankful to God. 
I'm thankful to God that we are a part of that body of Christ and what God is doing right here in your life and in our church. We are the vessels that God is moving through, and he has changed our name. He has changed our name. We went from the ark to Austin Alive Church, but I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about he has changed your name. And uh, you might be called by the same vowels or whatever. It might sound the same, but can I tell you something? Heaven has a different meaning of your name. Amen? When your name is spoken in heaven, God knows who you are. The angels know who you are. Everyone in heaven knows who you are. You are no longer a sinner, but you're a saint. You're no longer an orphan, but you are a child of your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to his name. Glory to his name. People on earth may not know my name, but when it's spoken in heaven, every angel knows who I am. They say that is one of God's boys. That's God's boy right there. That's God's child right there. And a little bit of our father lives within us. Hallelujah. We've begun to talk like him and act like him. We begin to think like him and live like him. Our family DNA is working in us and people can see it and it's, it's moving through us. He's changed the meaning of our name. I'm no longer Milan the sinner who's an orphan. I'm Milan the saint who's been saved by Jesus, a child of my father in heaven. Hallelujah. Acts 19. Let me read this little story to you. I love this. Acts 19, 11 through 16, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they were saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, let me let me set this up for you. Let me read this in modern terms. <laughs> Paul goes around and he's healing people in the name of Jesus and miracles are happening. And now there's these uh, non-born again, non-Jesus confessing people who see this and they think the name of Jesus is like an incantation that you can say, like a witch's brew or something. You just speak the name. And so they go to someone who's demon possessed and they say, by the name of Jesus, who Paul talks about, I don't know him, but Jesus, who Paul is talking about, uh, why don't you leave this person alone? Well, the demons inside of this person get so mad. <laughs> oh. The evil spirit answered him and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know who Paul is, but who are you? <laughs> What am I here to tell you? I'm here to tell you that even the devil knows your name. Even the devil knows your He knew who Jesus was, of course. But that demon even knew who Paul was. You know why? Because God changed his name. God changed his name. God changed the meaning of who he is. And when people call his name now, it means something different. All of heaven knows. Listen, when they say Stephen Rodriguez in heaven, every angel knows that's one of God's children. Oh, and every demon knows that's one of God's children. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Jesus said, you know, Peter, because you made this confession, I'm going to tell you something right now. You're no longer Simon Barjona, but I'm going to call you Peter, which in their language means rock. 
solid foundation. This is the beginning. You know why he said that? He didn't say that because Peter was going to be the head of the church. He said that because Peter's confession was going to be the beginning of the church age. You're the one right now, Peter, who's made the first public confession. You said it out loud, and there are going to be a domino effect of people who are going to say the same thing, and it's going to set the beginning of the church up. You are the beginning, Peter. You said it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Therefore, you're no longer going to be called by your old name. You're going to be called by a new name. You know what? People used to uh, hear my name and think certain things. I won't even say what they are. But when they say my name now, my desire is that they think of Jesus, that they think of Jesus, that they think of my Jesus. Amen. They think of Jesus. Not only did Jesus say, I'm going to change your name. He said this, even the gates of hell are not going to overpower you. There's a lot of bad news out there in the world about the church. You can read books about how the church is falling apart in America. And I know we've got work to do. But let me tell you a secret. This is the good news. It ain't up to us. Jesus didn't say, you'll build the church. He said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Can I tell you something? If Jesus said, I'm going to do it, why in the world do you think you could mess it up? Come on. Jesus said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to build a church, and the gates of hell are not going to overpower it. Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you, he says, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, say all, the power of the enemy, and nothing is going to injure you. Come on, hallelujah. Even the gates of hell can't overpower us. We're going to defeat everything that comes against us because we have made the confession we have the wisdom to expose the schemes of Satan. You know, we have the truth. We know the truth. We see the truth. We see it every day. And while the world is being deceived by the lies of the enemy, we know the truth. And therefore, when we declare the truth, we are destroying the schemes of the enemy. There's two people talking, and one of them is telling fish stories. And he's... Uh, He's with his buddy, and they've been fishing, and he comes back, and he starts telling about how big the fish he caught was. I put it back in the water, but, man, it was big. Have you ever had one of them friends that, like, when you try to exaggerate, they just tell, tell it like it is? Because then his buddy goes, no, I was there. It wasn't that big. It was about this big. He's like, shut up. I was, trying to, I was trying to stretch my fish out a little bit. You know, you know, the church is the ones who, when the world is trying to stretch the fish out, we're the ones who say, nope, that ain't how it is. This is how it is. Oh, it's right here in Scripture. This is the way it is. We expose the lies of the devil. We expose the schemes of Satan. And when people say, well, I think this is the way it's going to happen. Things are falling apart in my marriage. Things are falling apart in my health. Things are falling apart in every area. We're the ones who say, no, the Bible says that God is the one who's going to take care of you. God is the one who's going to lift you up. God is the one who's got you. You see, you're just being lied to. When the devil says you don't have a future, that's a lie. Don't believe that. God says you have a future. The gates of hell can't even stop it. Come on. Hallelujah. The gates of hell can't even stop it. We have the wisdom to expose the schemes of Satan. We have the power to resist the temptations of Satan. You spirit-filled believers, you don't have to sin. Sometimes we do. We give in and we do stupid things, but we don't have to. We don't have to. We have power over sin. We've been detached from sin. It doesn't own us anymore. We're not slaves to sin. The Bible says we're slaves to righteousness. Yes, and the Spirit lives within us. Sin doesn't have power over us. We can say no when some people can't say no. 
There are some people who've been addicted to alcohol for so long, they just can't say no. They got to have some outward help. Help them. Can I tell you something? We've been set free. We've been set free. The only help we needed was when Jesus set us free from the power of sin, and we can say no. We can say no. We have the power to resist the devil, and we have the power to destroy the works of Satan. I like that. I like that. I like to think through scenarios where the devil is attacking somebody with lies and with depression and sickness and all of this stuff, and then you, Patricia, you come into their life, and you pray over them, and you speak the truth into their life, and you lift them up, and they begin to think of a good outcome because you planted that seed in their brain by the word of God, yes, and you minister to them, and all of a sudden, they start feeling better and getting better doctor's reports, and they have a better attitude, and they start getting lifted out of that pit, and I see Satan uh, down there in hell going, you know what, that gummit, that didn't work out, did it? It, we had that we had that person in the in the palm of our hands and then here comes one of God's children all she did was make a confession that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God and then he put his spirit in her and she went out into the world and she destroyed what we were trying to do come on somebody that girl she didn't go to Bible college she didn't go to Bible college I can give you a list of things she did that she shouldn't have done but it didn't matter it didn't stop her from doing what God called her to do she is one of those who's confessed Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said this, too. He said, because you made this confession, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You know who has the keys to my house? My family, my kids, my granddaughter. If you want a key to my house, I ain't giving you one. You know who has the keys to the kingdom? God's family. His kids got the keys to the kingdom. Let me tell you what that means. That means we're like a doorway through which the good stuff from heaven comes into this earthly realm. Oh, I wish you could get that. Ain't nobody sick in heaven. There's perfect healing in heaven. There's a lot of sickness down here. So when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven, we're, we're opening a portal through which the miraculous of heaven comes into our world and it heals our bodies and it heals our neighbors and it heals our fellow church members. And that goes not just for healing, but everything in heaven. It's peaceful and nobody's got anxiety in heaven. Nobody is on Ambien trying to sleep in heaven. Nobody's got any of that stuff going on in heaven. And when we are the vessels of God, that stuff that's in heaven, the goodness and perfection of God comes through the church. Oh, you got to hear that. You're saying, oh, I don't deserve that. You're right, you don't, but God said it is. That's the way it is. Jesus didn't say, well, you've earned it, and so I'm going to give it to you. No, he said, because you said this, Peter, because you said this, because you said this, Nate, I'm going to put it in you, and I'm going to use you in this way. And through you, the stuff that's in heaven is going to reach earth. He said, you're going to bind things on earth, and I'm going to bind them in heaven. And when you bind the devil on earth, you know what happens? God dispatches whatever angelic power, prayer, whatever needs to happen, he makes it happen. Why? Because you're his child and you spoke under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you said it. You're going to bind things that need to be bound and you're going to loose things that need to be set loose. There are some things that need to be bound. Now, we, we are aware of a lot of things that need to be bound in people, right? Some of y'all are praying, well, you need to, you need to bind my neighbor's 
attitude. <laughs> you need to bind my boss's mouth. <laughs> you need to bind this uh, uh, inflation that's going on. And whatever it is, we know about the stuff that needs to be bound. And listen, we have power over that. But, but have you ever thought there's some stuff that needs to be set loose? There, there's some stuff in the church, and I hope it happens today. There's some stuff in God's people that needs to be set loose. Some hope, some encouraging words, some hard work. Come on. We need to put our back behind our faith. We need to do some things. We need to be set loose. There are some people that have been under the oppression of the enemy that we need to set loose in Jesus' mighty name. And no one on earth other than the confessors. Come on. The ones who said Jesus is the Christ have the power to do this. We have the keys to the kingdom. You know, sometimes my, my granddaughters who go to school nearby and they come to the to the house uh, sometimes we're not around when they're there uh, and they show up and uh, one time we came and they were sitting in the driveway when they had access to a key and I'm like why are y'all sitting in the driveway I told you where the key is and, and you know a lot of Christians are like that we've been given the keys to the kingdom and we're just sitting in the driveway you know what? Your family could be better if you'd access the keys to the kingdom, open some doors. Your neighbors would be better. Your church would be better. Your community would be better if we turn the key and open some doors and let some things out and shut some things out. Come on, if we do what we've been called to do. And yeah, you've been listening to that lie of the devil tell you, well, you can't do that because you hadn't deserved it. You haven't earned it. Well, Jesus didn't say this is who you are because you earned it. He said, because you confessed that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God, I say to you, this is what it is. This is who you are. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because we believe who Jesus is, he has said, this is who we are. Can I tell you, you won't always feel like that's who you are. Sometimes you'll feel really bad about yourself. Sometimes you'll want to give up and quit. You know what the true mark of a, a really tenacious child of God is? It's not that they never feel like quitting. It's that even when they feel like quitting, they don't quit. I always remember Jesus who hanging on the cross. No one in the history of the world has ever been in a position like Jesus hanging on the cross, taking the sin of the world upon himself. No one's ever been in a position like that who deserved to quit. He had every right to quit. But his final words were not, I quit. His final words were, it is finished. You know what we do, God's children? We don't quit, we finish. Come on. And until God's finished, I'm not done. Hallelujah. 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 You know, our church has been through a lot, and there may have been times when you've wondered what God was doing, and if we were on the way to sinking, can I tell you that we can't sink because the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, because it isn't up to your pastor to make sure we succeed. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it or stop it, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, and when people say your name, it's going to mean something different than it did before. Hallelujah, Jesus. We may not look like something special to others. They may look at our building and say, well, that's a small little building. Y'all used to have this big old building. You know what? We got the same big old God we've always had. Amen. And we still got pews that are empty. We got room for growth and we've got land. And you know what? If we needed more, God will give us what we need. None of that even matters. Hallelujah. 
We can worship anywhere. We can serve him anywhere under any conditions because he's declared this is who we are. This is who we are. So I want to tell you today, lift your spirits. Let your hope get lifted today. Let your hope get lifted today in your personal life, in your family, in your finances. I want you to, for the first time, maybe some of you in a long time, to begin to believe that God's got a good future for you. And I want us as a church to know that God's got good things in store for us. Hallelujah, that our best days are ahead. You and I are the vessels through which God is working in our world. And some of you are going to have a hard time believing that about yourself but I want you to realize, I'm going to close with this. Recognize the circle that happens. Because you believe who Jesus is, who he said he is, then you have to believe what he says about you. If he's really the Messiah, the son of the living God, he cannot lie. So if he says that's who you are, then that's who you are. And if you believe that's who you are, then you believe who he says he is. And we get this wonderful little motion going where we believe he is who he says he is. And we believe who he, who he says we are. We trust in that and we live according to that. So let me leave you with this. Around us is a world oppressed by the enemy. They're lied to. They've been pushed around, oppressed. Sickness thrown on him, poverty thrown on him. An expectation of nothing good for their future. They've been oppressed by the enemy. And God loves them. God loves them. Within us, the church, the confessors, is the power of God to change their world. The hope of the world is not the government. It's not world peace. The hope of the world is not Bill Gates giving a billion dollars. The hope of the world is the church. People like you and I, who don't own a yacht, who don't have four degrees from college, who don't have political aspirations, who don't have power. People may not even know our names, but heaven knows our name, and hell knows our name. Hallelujah. And within us is the power of the very living God. The power that was in Jesus when he walked the earth and raised the dead is inside of you. Ooh, that is good stuff. Hallelujah. Around us is an oppressed world. Within us is the power of God so before us is our greatest opportunity. There's an opportunity ahead of us, church. There's an opportunity. It would be a shame if we had a world in need around us that we loved and cared for and a power within us that could change things and we sat back and did nothing. And we got into the groove of just living and going to work and watching TV and taking our vacations and never impacting our world for Jesus. Can I tell you, the blessings of God, the power of God is not going to happen from your couch. It's going to happen when you get up and go. Come on. It's going to happen when we put an effort into what God has called us to do. So let's seize it. Let's go get it. Let's make it happen. I know Austin Live Church, we were mobile for a while, and, and it was hard. It was just difficult to have church on Sundays. And, and, and even when we were here, this wasn't our building, and it was limited what we could do. But God has given us, the, this isn't really ours, it's his, right? And he's given us stewardship of this property. And so we have opportunities that we didn't have before. So let's take advantage of them. Let's make some things happen. Let's not just open these doors on Sunday mornings. Let's open them up during the middle of the week. Come on. And let's make some things happen hallelujah would you stand with me today and let's pray together as a group of believers a group of believers in covenant together at this local body father in jesus mighty name 
Lord, we just offer ourselves up to you, God. We offer ourselves up to you, Lord. We believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's qualified us. This is what you've said about who we are, Lord. We are your people. The, the, the Spirit of God is in us and has anointed us to go into our world and change it by the power of the living God. Father, we just offer our bodies as living sacrifices to be used for your glory. We offer our, our calendars and our time, our finances, and the things we have resources of, Lord. <coughs> we offer up to you, God, every opportunity and every talent we have we give it to you lord so that you could use us we want to do it lord we want to step up and make an impact in our community god and in our world for jesus lord we thank you for it lord we receive it lord we are humbled by it and we walk in it confidently god in jesus mighty name so use austin alive church use us lord use us for your glory use us for your glory come on say it with me use us for your glory god God. Use us for your glory, God. Whatever I have, I offer it to you, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give God a hand.